Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Spirit of Missions podcast brought to you by the Student Missionary Union of Biola University. Here on this podcast, we seek to expand awareness of the missions field through cultural immersion and firsthand testimonies from our brothers and sisters sharing the good news of the gospel to the world. My name is Jack Burns, and here with me today is J.D. Sinkbile. He's the community pastor at Southlands, which is a multi-congregational church, primarily in California. However, they do have church plants overseas. J.D., thank you for joining me here today. Hey, Jack. Great to be here, man. Super excited to join the podcast. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, to get things started, I want to know a little bit about what has given you such a heart for missions. Oh man, I had the privilege of growing up in a Christian home and came to faith at a really young age. And I grew up in a small town, Midwest Nebraska. And, but our church had a vision for missions and sending people to the nations. And so we used to have an annual missions conference that as a little kid, I just grew up hearing the stories of Jim Elliott, and Hudson Taylor. Mm-hmm. And actually, I, I feel like I got the call to missions at the age of seven. I can remember standing up in my church at age seven and saying, I felt called. Wow. And of course, I didn't know what all that meant, but God was faithful. And he just kind of kept taking me back to that call. and. Um, yeah, a passion for that. So I ended up graduating high school and going to school up in Chicago and um, had different missions kind of opportunities here and there. Uh, didn't do a lot, honestly, of travel, but just God continued to cultivate a heart towards missions. And, and I got to go to Urbana uh, back in the day, um, a big missions conference. And then eventually um, I married a South African girl and we uh, did ministry in the States, planted it, helped plant a church, and then eventually went to South Africa. And I worked throughout Africa and had some successes and some failures um, in that time. And uh, then we ended up back in Omaha for a while, uh, church planting, and then out here now with Southlands. Um, yeah, so that's a, just a quick flyover of some of our experiences. Wow, well, that's one. You're well versed then, I guess. I think we've, we've picked the right person for the podcast then. Maybe the, in the school of hard knocks, at least in terms <laughs> of having some fun and trying stuff. Okay, I like that. I like that. I think that transitions as well. So being called into missions at around seven, how have you seen like that call to missions play out in some of the current things that maybe you're doing through Southlands or have planned to do with Southlands? Yeah, I think... Um, we just really desire to be a, a church and a community. And I have a particular passion uh, of continuing to raise up a generation that has a vision for reaching their generation, uh, mm-hmm. for reaching cross-cultural. Um, one of the ways that we've tried to do that is just pioneering a, a new college ministry, but that has a real emphasis on missions. And so a couple ways that plays out is we've, had a lot of Biola students uh, as a part of our church. And I love that. I went, I went to a Christian school. I I love the Christian college experience. And yet having grown up in that graduated from that, doing that my whole life, I know that often the thing that they're most missing um, is not another discipleship program or Bible class, Mm. but a a chance to really put their hand to the plow and and, kind of cultivate and reach out and risk for the kingdom. And so as we started this college ministry, we really did it with a vision of trying to mobilize the primarily Biola students that we had 
into reaching students at local universities like Cal State Fullerton. And so we started to get students going on campus every week and doing evangelism and trying to take steps there and a lot of dreams um, that we'd still like to pursue and COVID has kind of knocked us off our game a little oh, bit. Yeah. Um, we we're also hoping to take a, a team to India this last summer. Um, our, our church is a part of a um, international church planting movement called Advance. And so we wanted to go over and partner with some of our Indian uh, pastors and churches there because one of the things I want to do is create a way for college students to not just do missions, but do missions with a vision for the local church. Hmm. And so I know Biola does a lot of stuff, you know, crew and, and navigators yeah. and all these organizations are fantastic, but I just got a particular passion towards students and student led ministry with missions, but with a real heart for local church. Wow. Okay. I want to know more about that. Just hearing, I love that like doing missions with a heart for the local church. How have you seen, like, how have you seen that play out if you've experienced that um, in a missions opportunity you've had or what has been the goal for that? Can you like expand on that idea? That's beautiful. I love that. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, I'm a big fan of parachurch organizations and mission organizations. Unfortunately, I think if I'm honest, they often exist because the church hasn't fully been the church. Hmm. And so some of those things have gotten started out of the church really losing its missionary um, calling and mandate. And hmm. I think that when we work together, because I think in a sense, uh, parachurch ministries have really developed the, the how-to and kind of the pioneering, sending, going um, infrastructure. Okay. But then what often happens in a lot with like college ministries, uh, specifically like crew, which I really respect is kids will get saved in college. They'll get discipled and kind of grow up within the college ministry, but not necessarily connected to the local church. Hmm. So then when they move on from the college experience, they're not in a local church and, and their faith really um, struggles or sometimes they fall out. And so I think um, when we partner well uh, together, um, and with a vision for each other, it, it goes really well. And I think that happens both with college ministry and local campuses, but then also with missions uh, organizations as well internationally. Wow, that's wonderful. And so I, I agree where a lot of transition can happen in college coming to faith and then discipleship programs and things like that. So taking away that setting can be a, a stumbling block for people who aren't familiar um, in, of, aren't familiar with the Christian life outside of the context that they learned it. How, so how do you use that mindset of pairing missions with the local church when you do this college ministry? So if you're reaching people and with the hope of um, finding or uh, reaching people to have future believers, then coming to faith in college, what's the push then for their involvement in the church? How, how do they get plugged in? What's your goal for that? Yeah, I think the way I look at it is one, developing partnerships and okay. not reinventing the wheel. So this last year, um, as we started to say, hey, let's really get on um, Cal, Cal State Fullerton's campus. Uh, the first thing I did was reach out to a couple of the organizations there, Crew, 
um, and InterVarsity and say, hey, what are you guys doing? We, we found a real natural kind of partnership with Crew. And so rather than say, hey, we'll try and start our own meeting on campus, we said, hey, let's just go be a part of Crew um, and then let's help Crew um, with events they have or things that they need. Our church can be a resource. They can come use our building. They yeah. can host their events here. And so we saw this really good partnership start to develop where we just became a part of the evangelism stuff that they were already doing. Hmm. Um, but then they also found a place uh, for their students to come do events, but then also for their students, it became just a natural, it wasn't forced. Um, there's other churches that are also partnering with crew, but we became one place where students could actually come and become members of the church. And so we started to see that happen. Wow. So that's an example that, that yeah. I think is one way we're trying to live that out. That's, I think that's wonderful. I, um, yeah, that's truly great. Cause then again, it builds that foundation in Christian practices outside of the context, maybe of just your college experience. Um, is that a philosophy that you've used in overseas ministries or how have you tried to not recreate the wheel with overseas ministries, but also use those partnerships that are, or utilize partnerships? Yeah, I think um, I'm trying to think back to our time in South Africa, but really kind of a, a same mentality is I went in with kind of an American church planting network, um, but immediately started introducing myself and, um, you know, building relationships with local pastors. Mm -hmm. And we started actually partnering together on, on local church planting kind of conferences and things. And then when I decided to plant a church in Cape Town, I actually went to locals and said, Hey, will you bless this? Well, will I, I want to be endorsed by the elders of the city as yeah. an outsider. Um, and so that developed really good partnerships. And so interestingly enough, now where I'm at based at Southlands, um, I'm actually a part of a different movement now, but was, is one that was birthed out of South Africa. And wow. so a lot of those relationships and stuff. And so that's a movement that's now kind of connected globally, but I'm actually a part of what was birthed there, not birthed here. And so that's been really cool to see. And I think in church planting, um, we really value this kind of international community that we have because we just learn from each other. There's this kind of prophetic speaking into cross cultures that I think has been really helpful and served us well and makes just for a richer experience. We just had our kind of um, a year ago, our global kind of gathering that we do every couple of years. And it was actually back in Cape Town. It was the first time I had been back wow. um, since moving from there. And you just have, you know, these nations and leaders uh, from all over and that multicultural experience. And so I think with missions, there's just a real importance that anytime you go into a new place, you show up first and foremost as a listener, mm -hmm. uh, asking questions, saying, what is the spirit of God already doing here? Who has he already been working through and using? Um, mm -hmm. And I know there, there's uh, unreached people groups and places where, you know, there, there isn't Christian presence there. Yeah. But so often initially when we're breaking into a new country or a new place, um, rarely are we the first ones on the scene. We might be the first ones on a scene in a village, but not usually in a nation. Hmm. And so it's important that we 
just figure out who's there and what's already going on. Wow. I, I think that's wonderful. And I think it speaks to a sustainable mission effort too, just in, in, um, so that when you, when you do leave, there is, there is a, a good foundation for which people can grow and build off of. Have you found that there are times where you maybe go in with a certain mindset of missions and then it completely changes because of the context that the spirit is moving in that area? Yeah, you know, uh, yeah, a couple different things. I think when I first went into Africa, um, I was representing a church by a network and I was traveling up into different nations and different cities and we were doing church planting conferences and trying to develop partnerships to then connect U.S. churches and African churches together. And I think it was cool and it was a great vision, but I realized pretty quickly that I had no idea really what I was doing. And it it was a big, big vision, but needed more time. And so I think through that experience then was us kind of focusing in on South Africa and trying to start small and go slower. Um, So that's one example of just realizing the complexity of stuff. But I think at the same time, I've learned um, at other points that um, God uses all kinds of different models um, and there's not a one size fits all. And I, I love all the debates. I love uh, yeah. mission philosophy. I can geek out on that all day. Um, but in my experience, I've seen, you know, the perfect model and the wrong model work and actually mm. produce fruit. So an example right now would be um, Southlands uh, actually sent a team over to plant a church in Shanghai, Thailand. Wow. And um, we sent, you know, Americans over uh, with the goal of planting a church. So some missions philosophy would say that's not good. You know, you should just go do um, development, theological training and let locals plant churches. Mm-hmm. But we went with a vision of saying, hey, we're going to plant a church that will reach primarily expats. It'll, it'll be a church that will serve, again, this idea of partnership. We'll come in and we'll serve the mission organizations that are already on the ground by giving those missionaries a home place, uh, a place where they can actually be built up and fed. And that will help just raise the tide of healthy missionaries and missions in that region. Yeah. But we also have the secondary hope that um, over time we would reach locals and that the gospel actually would go forth in the indigenous people there. Yeah. Well, it's been amazing to see God actually bless those things because mm. we feel like the spirit brought some things together that we never could have, you know, could have only dreamt of and locals have come to faith, but then that's led to pioneering out from Chiang Rai into surrounding villages where you have completely unreached people groups. And mm. so we went into our church there. One light went into a, a village that, only a few years ago had had missionaries that they tried to go in um, to reach those people. And they actually, um, some of, they killed some of those missionaries. Wow. So they went back in though and sharing the gospel and trying to sow seeds and working with locals who had come to faith and were working as evangelists in the village. And now a church has been planted. They actually just built an actual building that we got to be a part of kind of helping with some of that. 
Um, but they're mm. raising up locals, they're raising up the indigenous people to actually lead and, and shepherd that community. And we baptize um, over 20 people in the last year. And so it's just so exciting to see how, you know, in some sense, we broke some missions rules, you know, go plant yeah. the next church. But actually, it's led to partnership. It's led to people coming to faith. And it's leading to um, indigenous work maybe way faster than normal. And I don't think mm. it's necessarily a, a plug-and-play model. I think it, we just went praying and asking the Spirit what he was wanting to do. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think besides the obvious movement of the spirit to provide such blessing over your ministry. Why do you think that that system of taking expats and sending and using that, that as an infrastructure, which is usually frowned upon or in a broader sense frowned upon um, looking back, why do you think that was so effective? I, I think, you know, because there was just prayerfully saying, God, what, what do you want to do? And felt like uh, the spirit had given specific kind of words and visions to some of these leaders of how to go. And so I think they went soft hearted and open handed. I also think we can't, we can't underestimate um, what, what planting a worshiping community and kind of planting that stake in the ground in a place that is as dark as Thailand, Hmm. what that can mean. And so you brought people coming together and worshiping and and so much of missions and modern day missions is actually lost the gospel. Um, It's it's humanitarian in nature. Mm. It's social justice in nature, all fantastic things, all incredible ways to actually enter countries. Yeah. But so many of those missionaries are actually dying on the vine. Marriages are struggling uh, burnout rates are incredibly high. And so you need some gospel communities actually to help support some of these communities. And so I think that's one of the reasons why um, that, that church is doing really well. Wow. That, I think that's beautiful. That's beautiful insight. I think for myself personally, I'm unfamiliar with the scene of Thailand um, and so having that background knowledge on Thailand and know that a worshipful um, center and epicenter would be so powerful. Can you, can you share with me, I guess, a little bit more of what, what the scene of Thailand is really like? Like, what were you sending people into? Yeah, and no, I'm, I'm definitely not an expert. I have, I have visit, okay. vi- visited the country once um, and learned a little bit, and I've only been at Southlands a couple years. So in some sense, I'm coming into a story that has been going um, before I got here. They sent that team okay. out about four, four years ago. Mm-hmm. But you'll find that um, uh, actually there's Chiang Rai, which is kind of a smaller city, and then there's Chiang Mai, um, which is several hours away, I think. I might be slightly off on my geography. Okay. But Chiang Mai is considered one of the densest populations of missionaries in the world hmm. because it's right on the border of a bunch of very difficult countries to get into. Okay. And so, um, like Laos and, mm-hmm. and East, um, uh, just the east there and so it's a great place from there you can access all these different countries 
that are mm-hmm. unreached, that desperately need the gospel. And so as a result, you have kind of high missionary population um, mm-hmm. there. And so that, that's a unique thing, I think, with Thailand. I think that's oh, why yeah. I think the idea of like planting an expat church um, or a church that will even help support and reach missionaries um, really works. But we went in there with a vision of um, Chiang Rai is right on the border of Myanmar and, and Burma. And, and so mm. went with a vision of planting and then being able, one of the visions was a vine that grows over a wall. Wow. And this idea of planting a seed that would grow and lead to getting into um, neighboring regions and countries. Wow. Wow, that's beautiful. I think that's, that's truly wonderful. Um, have you have you found that um with the the success i would say of this church um in thailand are there are there other opportunities that uh, southlands is looking to use a similar philosophy to try and reach other people groups in different areas or what's kind of not necessarily the takeaway but more of a next step kind of thing for southlands yeah, that's a great question, especially now um, yeah. with, within COVID. I, I think um, we're, we're trying to run at multiple things and, and, and in some ways continue to cultivate um, just what God's calling us to and the things that he's put on our hearts. And so we don't have, you know, like a map with different pins on it of yeah. like, hey, there's, there's the next church plant. <laughs> the Indiana Jones um, kind of setup. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Although we do feel like primarily God's calling us to plant churches within um, Southern California and, and the region around. And so we're actually in the process right now of launching out a new team to go plant um, a congregations in Santa Ana. So okay. right now we have congregations in Chino and Whittier. Uh, we had one in Fullerton that now is kind of spun off and, mature and become fully autonomous, really good, healthy thing. Wow. And then we'll now plant South and Santa Ana. And so we're doing that locally, but that's been part of my vision with the college ministry is say, Hey, let's raise up the next generation that is not just going to stay and help plant churches here, but also go to the nations. And um, if you talk to our church plant over one light over in Chiang Rai, um, you know, they're always looking for people that are saying, hey, we want to go and there, there's more opportunity. But, you know, it takes a special kind of uh, person that, to, to go plant in that kind of context in that region or to go be a missionary and serve. Mm-hmm. But I think there's increasing opportunity, especially as the world becomes more global and there's more opportunities. Yeah. And, and COVID has made this even more so the case is the idea mm-hmm. of working remotely. Um, is becoming more and more widely accepted. And I think that's going to create opportunity uh, for missions because people can take their work with them and they can go yeah. work in there. Yeah. Oh, I think that's, that's so true. Um, and it, it'll, it will be interesting just to see how much COVID changes our cultural landscape and even a broader cultural landscape of the world and how we interact uh, globally. Um, but I want to bring things back locally. You said that Southlands is focusing primarily in Southern California. Um, and I think, again, I want to know a little bit more of 
truly the need for the church in Southern California, particularly. Yeah. That's one thing that I would really, you know, encourage, um, students. Cause I, I, again, I, I love the mission crew. I love the heart to go to the nations, but I would really ch- challenge or, or encourage your listeners to say, <laughs> Hey, don't, don't leave it to a two week missions trip somewhere, or don't leave it till, graduation and then this vision of you know moving somewhere for a couple years because because we are a more global society especially in LA and in Southern California the nations are here Hmm. and so the opportunity to reach um, people groups and actually live out your calling that can happen right in your backyard and so that's some of the ministries that um, I've had the privilege of being a part of in the past that I'm hoping we find new ways to do that here with our different partner churches and things that we're doing. Um, so just a couple quick examples. Um, years ago in my, the first church I was a part of planting in Omaha, um, we were just trying to say, Hey, how do we love and serve our city? What are the areas of brokenness? And one of the guys was like, well, I, I, there's a bunch of Sudanese that are in my apartment complex. I don't know how they got here or where they came from. You know, yeah. we're completely ignorant and clueless. <laughs> and so we went on this journey of saying, okay, well, let's get to know those guys and build a friendship. And that just evolved and developed to where we got educated on refugees and mm. what was going on in Sudan at the time and then other parts of Africa. And they, we started partnering with one of the resettlement agencies hmm. and um, Burundians and other small countries, similar conflict to the Ru- Rwanda situation. That's a little yeah. bit better known. Um, we're being resettled in Omaha. And so over the course of that year, we partnered with the Burundian population as they came into the city, our church would be there at the airport to welcome them, wow. help them set up in an apartment. And at one point, 10% of our church, was Burundian, you know, 30 30 to 40 Burundians that were in the church and we were doing ESL classes. We were inviting them into kind of our missional communities and gospel communities. And so, you know, it was incredible. And so I think that's the kind of thing if students really have a vision for the nations, then get involved in reaching immigrants, refugees, um, mm. students, international students. I mean, I walk on Cal State Fullerton's campus, and which I know isn't a thing right now, but <laughs> I, I, you know, would just see all these um, uh, Muslim uh, students and, and from eight, uh, nations in the Middle East. Yeah. And I'd engage them and sit down and have conversations. And these guys are just always so open because they just, they want to practice English. They want to build relationships. They're trying to learn. And I'm just like, oh man, if I could get an army of Biola students to go build relationships with internationals, um, there's just such an opportunity for fruitfulness here and to develop the very skills that you need if you were ever to go to the nations and actually be called that way. Wow. Like truly fruitful practice where it's not just about building self skills, but like ministering to souls and in doing so learning more about your faith in, in turn. I mean, sign me up. That sounds wonderful. 
Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think, um, yeah, I, I, um, I want to give you an opportunity to share more particularly about how people maybe from our Biola community, particularly in this time for COVID, but how they could get involved in your ministry, how they could follow your ministry, all the different things that Southland is doing, whether they are South or Southern Carolina, not Carolina, California, Southern California um, natives yes. or people who are residents there. Um, what are the possibilities that people can either get plugged in or follow along for Southlands or any ministry that you're a part of? You bet. Um, well, first off, if, if you are local and you're in this area, um, Brea, Whittier, Chino, Santa Ana, um, we are gathering, we're um, gathering on Sundays outside right now. And so if you, you know, are, are healthy and safe and want to come out, we'd love to have you do that. We also have an online presence so that you can just participate and become a part of the online community during the season. But then here in the next um, several weeks, we'll be launching our kind of groups for the fall. And any student would be welcome to be a part of any of those, like our life groups. And we'll have some specific focus groups as well. But one of those is we'll create some college groups and community as well. And so it would just be a place to connect, get to know you and have you connected to our church. And then one of my um, big passions is to take uh, young leaders well, any leaders and just say, what is the spirit of God doing in you? Mm-hmm. Okay, let's do that. How, how do we get after that for the kingdom? And so students that want to come and they're saying, man, I want to be, I want to be developed, but I also don't want to sit on the bench for the next 10 years. Yeah. Great. Reach out to me. I would love to talk to you. If you want to help us in pioneering a college ministry, great. If you want to help us in pioneering a ministry to international students locally, great. If you want mm-hmm. to start helping us reach um, uh, unreached people groups that are living in Santa Ana as we plant this congregation, yeah, uh, reach out to me. We would love to help um, equip you, mobilize you, um, but also just run the race and do life together with you. Wow. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Well, JD, again, thank you so much for your time. I think all of your insights on the way you did missions in Thailand, South Africa, and even locally to give a broader picture of how the spirit moves in different ways to provide different necessities of the missions aspect to highlight the region that you're in and the need for in that area, I think absolutely beautiful. And I would highly encourage anyone who is in the Brea area or any area around a Southlands congregation to get involved. So absolutely. Thank you again for coming. (laughs) Thanks for having me, Jack. It's great, man. Absolutely. Well, again, um, thank you for listening, you guys. And please follow the SMU Biola Instagram for any updates on anything SMU Biola. There will be plenty of updates on upcoming events. You can check out our blog or um, look at the Facebook or Twitter page to see when the next podcast will be uploaded. But in the meantime, I want to say thank you to all of our production staff who has helped work to make this podcast possible, especially Alexio and his Marcom department, 
and anyone involved with the MD department at SMU. So thank you again and everyone have a great rest of your week.